1: You're locked in to the Open Show on radio, radio Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good I'm show ready, lined up I'm for ready, you I'm today, me, as we generally do share. each and every week. And I'll say this, something that I plan to say each and every week is missing on last week. And I'm going to say it right now. Hope. Vote, and I've never been vote, embraced. it is so important the to hard vote, to make. as a matter of fact, I get to the end on Wednesday, had a that chance to go out and vote, crazy, felt great I'll about it, and I whoever you're realize. voting for, it, it doesn't matter, bottom Sometimes line is, grow, you, know you have a right to vote, and if you're not a registered Baby. voter, please register and vote, this is the most important election, of our lifetime, Baby. it is so important. We took a to trip, out. now we're on your mind, and it's like a thong sometimes. So, I'm gonna have my NFL predictions for week Bam. seven here today on the front. You know, last week I went, know I went six and seven. Week, I went six and seven last night. We didn't have any money at all in it. We talked about it the week before. I did. I went what I had like, I missed like two of the games, this yeah. wasn't a very good week still it for me still at it. all, so I'm going like to be looking to turn a rebound to do a lot better than the, the week seven predictions. So, that day at the crib if you look crazy, at the NFL, bad, you look at had, sort of the schedule for oh, this week, it, we it, live, sometimes it, sometimes really, you know, we got to talk about a number of different things, like, the Miami Baby. Dolphins coming off that victory of the Jets, who, by the way, the Jets are an absolute mess right now. So if you're Miami, you're riding high, three and three on this season. You know, and, and, and back before the season started, I talked about Miami and kind of previewed the Dolphins. And I'm like, you know, to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is sort of a a career backup guy. He's a guy that if if you, if your quarterback goes down, he can come in and win a game. You know, maybe the next week he may win you a game. Maybe the following week he can win you another game. And then after that, the wheels are going to fall off. And that's happened the last couple of years. He's in essence been a backup quarterback that has had to start some games <clears throat> and then ultimately fizzled out. But, this time around, it's been different for Ryan Fitzpatrick to the point that the Dolphins are 3-3 three three on the season. And, you know, I found it sort of odd last week. Again, you're beating the Jets. Uh, uh, Tua to Tungabailoa comes into the game with a little more than two minutes remaining. At that point, the game is well in hand. So I'm wondering, okay, I mean, what's the point in putting him in the game just to essentially hand the football off? Well, he obviously, you know, passed the ball a couple of times. And then on Tuesday, the Dolphins announced that Tunga Vailoa was going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I'm of the philosophy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, again, as much as I talked about Fitz, Fitzpatrick being sort of this quarterback that is a guy that, you know, hey, he, he's going to come in, give you a couple of games, uh, he's going to fizzle out if you continue to leave him in as a starter. Well, that hadn't been the case this year. And a 3-3 three and three record with a win, by the way, over the 49ers, and I get it, the 49ers at that time were struggling, by the way, came back and beat the Rams this past weekend. That was one of the games – That I missed, so maybe the 49ers are back on track. With that, to go to Tunga Vailoa now with a 3 3 record, I find interesting. I I don't listen if it works out, there's all I mean, Tunga Vailoa is projected to be a phenomenal quarterback when it's all said and done, and I'm all for that, but I just question the timing as to why go to him at this particular time when things are going so well. that That's sort of uh, the question that I have. But, I mean, listen, you know, at the end of the day, right, you know, Brian Flores and company feel like this is the time to go to Tunga Bailoa. And I hope it works out. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he, he got a couple of reps last week. They say he's healthy, ready to go, coming back from that serious hip surgery uh, less than a year ago. So they say he's ready to rock and roll. We'll see what happens moving forward, and we can talk a little bit more about that in the program when I give my Week 7 National Football League predictions. The Big Ten going to get things started rocking and rolling this week. As a matter of fact, the Big Ten uh, starts football again this week weekend so that's going to be interesting that dynamic now uh, obviously the big the the SEC the ACC the Big 12 rocking and rolling now it's the Big 10's turn and then of course ultimately the Pac 12 as well not a whole lot when i look at the college football schedule for this week like not a whole lot of really big games but you do have a couple i mean you have number 17 Iowa State that's going to be at number 6 Oklahoma state uh number 9 cincinnati is going to be at number 16 smu and then you know maybe one of the 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 uh, one of the other top 25 matchups you have number 18 michigan at number 21 minnesota and then the other matchup that's where it's a situation where it's two teams that are top 25 teams that are ranked that I never thought I would hear myself say uh, is number 23 NC state at number 14, North Carolina. I thought I, I I never thought I'd hear myself say those two names as top 25 teams uh, in a matchup. Uh, You know, I mean, when you look at UNC it surged to number five and to me, I, Thought that that game against Florida State was going to be a tough game in Tallahassee. Uh, And, you know, Florida State ultimately comes away with that. That's a big, I mean, that was a big win for Florida State. So, some interesting matchups when you look across the board. Not a lot of key matchups like you looked at last week when you had Alabama and Georgia. And, you know, unfortunately for the Bulldogs, losing that. Particular football game, of course. Omari Hardwick joined us on the program uh, on last week, and I know he he's probably none too happy. But I mean, that's an Alabama team. I mean, we're looking at a collision course for the national championship game, as as things currently speak between Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I mean, you look at Clemson. I mean, Clemson absolutely routed Georgia Tech last week. Was it seventy to seven? Uh, And then Clemson's got a, you know, got a soft game uh, this weekend. And and I say a soft game. It seems like Syracuse may have given Clemson some issue. Maybe did they win last year or maybe a couple of years ago? I mean, Syracuse has played Clemson tough, but I mean, Clemson is is obviously the top dog, the number one team in the country. And it looks like that we're on a collision course for Clemson. And Alabama. I mean, is it possible, especially this year, because things are so different this year that we could see, you know, a Cincinnati who's number nine, who's not part of the Power Five conferences? Could we see them sneak? I mean, I think it'll be a little bit hard. I, I, I'd have to look. I don't think Cincinnati is playing. I mean, especially with COVID nineteen and with more of the regional and conference matchups, you're not going to see a Cincinnati, uh, you know, play. Uh, you know, like a Notre Dame or, or a Clemson or an Alabama or, or even a Georgia uh, along those lines just because of COVID. It's more regional matchups, more conference matchups. So you you wouldn't have, a, you know, a, a Cincinnati, it may not be their year, even if you have some losses. I mean, a Georgia could maybe jump back in and get back into uh, possibly contention. You just never know, especially with the SEC because the SEC is definitely so strong. So I'm going to set the table in terms of the guests today here on the program momentarily. Why don't you join us here on Box to Row? Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, if you want to join on the conversation. My personal Twitter account, at d one at d one My personal Instagram account, is at where Donald still to come here on the program. I'm going to give my week 7 National Football League predictions and again I ask the question. Should the Dolphins have started or should they now start Tunga Viloa over Ryan Fitzpatrick the veteran? who has led this team to a 3-3. Three three. I mean, really, if you think about it, the Dolphins really, to this point, have overachieved. In the middle, and, and by the way, a, a solid victory over the Jets. Should Tua Tungabailoa be the starter in Miami? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R O. W still to come here on the program, my Week 7 NFL predictions. Also still to come, you know, the Miac had its virtual media day for men's and women's basketball. Going to talk more about that and some Miac football still to come as From the Press Box to Press Row roll rolls on.
0: Hey, what's up? This is G.
2: Leaving them scared. Mommy taking all of this head, all of this fame. I'm hungry. Hope you cats is put paid. You listening
1: to my boy Donald Ware on from the press and box to press row.
2: Made a promise every time I touched the mic to bless 'em. Used to tease me now I keep it greasy just to test on. but I don't The old Renaissance is the new Renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance whip the neighborhood original
1: Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing, North Carolina. Served in Total Wine all over North Carolina, Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia, Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carboro, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Salt Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House.
2: Hey, mommy, what you doing? Just doing some online shopping. Great. While you're at it, can you order an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some and I ate the entire bag and I was hoping you could help me replace it before he notices. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help
1: myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Marjorie's Beef Jerky,
2: the best beef jerky on the planet.
1: Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet.
2: From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com. Your HBCU sports leader.
1: Ow. Welcome back to From the Press Box yeah. to Press Row. If you want to participate here on the program, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, b o x number two ROW in that first segment, talking about a number of different things, some national football league, talking about some college football, not a whole lot of big time matchups coming up this uh, weekend per se. But I do want to say this with respect to not only college football, but but also basketball as well. So the Miat released its schedules for both basketball and, and football on Thursday, and then also had a Zoom media availability, if you will, with the head men's and women's basketball coaches of the eleven institutions of the MIAC. And I want to talk a little bit about that. So let's talk some football here on the program because, well, foot well, number one, football is king. Also, with respect, so the MIAC is has, has formatted a divisional uh, play type of matchup in it. Listen, I think the MEAC, boy, this COVID, this is COVID in of itself obviously is bad. It's the worst, probably the worst thing, at least, you know, that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, but this was the year that the MEAC really needed to maximize the fact that North Carolina a Florida AM and Bethune-Cookman were still in the conference, needed to really, really maximize that. And, you know, I don't know, I guess to some degree, I mean, they're not going to be able to maximize it the way it could have been maximized had it not been for COVID-19. But I think the MIAC is still going to get something out of it. Right now you have 11 schools that play, or 11 total schools, none of those schools play football, and you're going to have a MIAC- uh, championship for football, which uh, which should be I mean, I mean that's going to be good. You're looking at it the week of what April 16th through 18th that weekend. So I mean that that that's 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 good. I mean when I think about the MIAC, and again you have to put this in perspective, and you have to go back. The MIAC obviously came together 1969, 1970, born out of mostly CIAA schools, and formulated a conference. To ultimately go to Division One, which happened some eight or nine years later, nineteen seventy-eight Division I you have the one aa championship, which of course Florida A&M wins the first ever one AA championship. So we over the years, the MIAC fluctuates a little bit. Morgan State leaves the conference. Maybe 1980, 81, ultimately rejoins the conference in eighty-four, uh, which I think Florida AM may have joined the conference. Also in, in 80, 84, 86, something like that. Bethune-Cookman joins the conference in the mid-80s. You have North Carolina Central that leaves the conference early, doesn't return until really 2011. So some fluctuation, but really where the MiAC was getting ready to go. Uh, and, and this was even, th- th- this was a buildup. So the buildup really, to for me, was when Hampton and Norfolk State joined the conference in the mid 90s and of course in the early part of the 2000s Hampton absolutely dominated the football uh the conference in football and quite frankly had that nice run remember was able to to as a number 15 seed uh, was able to get that victory 2001 Tavares Williams player of the year they beat oh man I I can't even remember who they beat but anyway a nice upset. So so good moves, Hampton and Norfolk State coming into the league. Then you have a situation 10 years later, you, you add a Winston-Salem State. A couple of years later, you're adding a Savannah State. You're adding a North Carolina Central. So we're talking about divisional play right now for the MEAC. Well, this is something the MEAC thought that it would have – What, 2011, when Savannah State and North Carolina Central became full members of the conference? Well, let's see what happened in that space. And it really started again with Winston-Salem State dropping out. Winston-Salem State, three years into the move, uh, they had some kind of violation with one of the non-revenue sports, which ultimately would have led them to an additional year before they could actually become full fledged members of actually a one double A or FCS, and then ultimately the MIAC. And Winston Salem State, after already uh, three years in, I think, decided maybe two years, two or three years, decided it didn't want to go down that road, decided it had enough, went back to Division II, went back to the CIAA. But, and that was a big blow, but you still had North Carolina Central and you still had Savannah State. Um, but, but because Winston-Salem State left, the MiAC was never able to get that divisional alignment that it wanted. Then what happens? 2017, Hampton, in the, in, towards the latter part of the football season, says, ah, we're out of here. They're gone. Uh, to start this year, North, and, and oh, uh, excuse me, Savannah State also the next year says, ah, you know, 2018 is going to be our last year. Uh, in in Division I, in the MiAC, we've given it a run. We've tried to make it happen. Uh, I'm not even sure, to be honest with you, why Savannah State decided to leave the SIAC in the first place. It's not like it had some kind of tradition in football uh, or even basketball. Uh, it wasn't a power, but it decided to make the move. And, and really, I can understand, like, if you're Savannah State, you're in a nice size media market. You're in a nice town. Like, Savannah is beautiful. Savannah is great. I don't understand why Savannah State was not able to make it ultimately. I don't know if the alumni didn't get behind it. I don't know what it was. But remember, Savannah State floundered for years in independency at the 1AA level. And I think that hurt I think that hurt Savannah State also. But they decided, okay, we're going back. Then A&T this year makes the announcement, Ah, eh, we're out going to the Big South. Then Florida A&M says, eh, we're out, going to the SWAC. Then Bethune-Cookman follows Florida A&M and says, eh, we're out. We're following Florida A&M. So now you go from a, a, a situation where you would have had a divisional type of different divisions and a football championship, and it would have been bigger and better, and the MEAC is this, and the MEAC is that, to, boy, you're hanging on by a thread because now you have nine football-playing schools, uh, but after next year, you'll have six, and then you'll have eight institutions. Miac Commissioner Thomas mentioned mentioned on the call. Uh, he was part of the call, as a matter of fact, and mentioned on the call that hey, we're still committed to the Celebration Bowl. So they uh, the Miac has the uh, the the bid to the FCS playoffs, this the automatic bid. Uh, but still committed to the Celebration Bowl moving forward if we still have a Celebration Bowl. COVID's gonna di- has dictated a lot. We'll continue to dictate a lot, so we'll ultimately see how that plays out. With that said, so this is the divisional lineup for the MEAC. Coppin State, Delaware State, Howard, Maryland, Eastern Shore, Morgan State, and Norfolk State will make up the Northern Division. Bethune, Cookman, Florida A&M, North Carolina A&T, North Carolina Central, and South Carolina State will make up the southern division. So in football, that means Dell State, Howard, Morgan, Norfolk, in uh, for the north. In the south, it is Bethune Cookman, Florida, and Ant, North Carolina, Central, South Carolina State. Like <laughs> all due respect to the teams in the north, uh, and I'm talking about football. But nah. Nah, like <laughs> I mean, if I had to say who I would consider the front runner right now for football, it'd have to be Florida AM. You got a a a a div a, a, a transfer division one quarterback, FBS guy coming in. You got all kinds of weaponry at receiver, offensive line is back, defense promises to be better. I mean, I, I would have to say on paper it's Florida A&M, although a t is the three-time defending champs. Like, a going to be right there. And, and, and you know, when you have a running back like a Jomaine Martin, a and going to be different at quarterback uh, this year. That defense is still extremely stout. But if I'm looking at it on paper, I would have to give the edge to Florida A&M and all the respect to a as the three-time defending champs. I get it. Florida AM beat A&T head-to-head last year, but it's not A&T's fault nor any of the other members' fault that Florida A&M was ineligible for the conference championship. So A&T's the three-time defending champs. That's going to be a bloodbath when that championship game comes out because you're looking at FAMU, a but though Cookman, South Carolina State always in the running, and North Carolina Central is going to be better this year, too. Meanwhile, I look at uh, the North. You know, I think Morgan State's going to be better this year. I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. Remember, Morgan State beat A&T last year. Uh, of course, Tyrone Wheatley, the head coach uh, at Morgan State. I mean, that's, you know, I think they're going to be a lot. I think the Bears are going to be a lot better. Norfolk State is going to be good. Like, Norfolk State is going to be good this year. Howard, you know, I'm not sure. Delaware State, nah, I don't know. So, but you compare that to the teams that I just mentioned in the South, and we're not even getting to see the best matchups. That's neither here nor there. There's gonna be a conference championship, and I think that that is, in fact, a beautiful thing. This is the deal, and I'm I'm, I'm gonna talk more uh, basketball uh, if we have time, like, if we have time, because we're actually running out of time in this segment, but you have... Some matches like A and T and Central are gonna play twice this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. But in basketball, they're gonna play six times this year. That's not awesome. <laughs> That's not awesome. Matter of fact, divisional play, particularly in the South, you're gonna play in basketball six times. You'll play your division teams six times this year. That means, um, uh, the, what's the furthest, the most northern team? Uh, in, in the Southern Division, whether that be A&T and Greensboro. It's got to go to Daytona Beach for a basketball game three times this year, men and women, by the way. But on the football side, it's kind of cool. You're going to have some divisional, you know, some, some traditional rivalries. I, I hadn't really delved into the schedule that much. I would assume that Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman would play twice, this year, I mean that should be pretty good, cool. And by the way, the Miat Championship game is going to actually be played on April the seventeenth. So, look, I, you know, uh, yeah, and, and they do. I have had a chance to sneak uh, take a sneak look at it. So, Florida A&M and and Bethune Cookman are going to play twice. What does that mean for the Florida Classic? Is it going to be a home and home situation? Uh, we certainly will see. So, we're going to talk more about this uh, a little bit later on here on the program we're gonna step aside take a small pause for the cause come back with more of from the press box to press row on the other side you're listening to from the press box to press row that is the voice of kevin durant i'm excited i get to play for they support us in everything we do you know it's a joy to you know go to work and and know that you're gonna be uh you know, they're gonna for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused, just really, you know, excited. He's Chadwick Bozeman and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Road. You are in fact a graduate. What do you remember most about your days at Howard?
2: Howard is like one of those experiences where <laughs> you know it's a it's a bubble, you know it's a it's a special moment. Like I had some great teachers Felicia Rashad was one of my teachers. You know, I just remember being nurtured
1: to respect black writers, black directors, black actors, as well as the classics. So you got the full scope of what you should experience. And I think that's unique to Howard. I just love the fact that they respected the full scope of it kiki palmer joining us here on the program
0: I, i've come in a lot of different
1: ways i think i've definitely grown as far as my age progression and that shows that i've literally grown i guess on screen and people have seen me from you know a young kid to coming of age into an adult and i feel like slowly but surely they're not taking that akila memory out their head but realizing akila is also has, you know, has grown up i don't ever want to be typecasted as just the girl. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college in Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. At the voice, of course, of T.I., they, it's some hard times down in the ATL, though. Yeah, and if that is understood. It
0: wouldn't be the first. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be the first. nor the worst. But you know, you gotta stay down with the whole team, though. You know.
1: No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still, I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're, they're not doing too well right now
0: well like <laughs> you know what i mean we gotta hey, hey hey look man we gotta we gotta hold it down so we, we can get it back right again
1: <laughs> that is the voice of maria taylor ESPN college sports analyst college game day is a show that i grew up watching a, a show that i've always loved i knew that when i was uh, able to join i was more than excited i found out the same week as i turned 30
2: and it's just something that i never dreamed i'd be a part of but something that i'm so thankful to have under my
1: belt have done for an entire season it's there's nothing like it, honestly.
0: Hello, I'm Josh Stone, and I'm here chatting to Donald on Thunder Press Box to press roll.
1: Kimber Walker. There's a lot more poised now. You know, um, the game is slow down. So, you know, I kind of know what to expect. You know, I've been
2: watching a lot of film on you know, our offense and, you know, what plays I can make. You know, I'm just trying to make the best plays possible. When I draw a second defender to me, um, I know my job is done. I am trying my best to find an open guy. You know, the difference is guys are making shots. That's been the biggest difference.
1: I'm talking about none other than Common.
2: Well, I ended up at Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. And, I mean, I played high school basketball, but... At one point, my career kind of rounded off because I got injured and I wasn't getting as much playing time, so I became impatient. I went to school first starting off with general studies, then I found out that business was the key, that's what I wanted to do. I got into the School of Business and it was definitely a great learning experience for me.
1: She's regarded as the best gymnast in the world. She's Simone Biles, the ESPN swimsuit edition. Actually really fun, like to
2: be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, I've are the best shape of our life. we're feeling confident about our body and we hope that other young girls and women might feel that being strong is still beautiful so that's what we kind of try to do mine was just like Beauty, but also showing muscles. Like, I feel like when little girls look at that, they'll think it's okay to have muscles and be beautiful and, like, sexy at the same time in a good manner. And I think that's what we got across, hopefully. It was great.
1: Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person
2: in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Called mm-hmm. all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city, so I'm glad you brought that particular incident
1: up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh man, thank
0: you for having me, Play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. New football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown into Division I.
1: WWE champion Alexa Bliss. How does one go from being a cheerleader as you were at the Division One level at Akron to being the WWE champion? <laughs> well, uh, after I shared in Akron,
2: my uh, trainer had told me that WWE was having a tryout. So, and they knew I was a fan. So I went online and I submitted a video to WWE.com. Um, I didn't think anything would follow it. But then I was called and given a tryout. And then after I tried out, I was signed to NXT. And it just kind of became a rollercoaster from there.
1: So we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice. What do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State?
0: What is going on at Mississippi Valley State? University why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers and that brought awareness to the school and after that I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Hey everybody what's going on this is Anthony Anderson international movie star and funny mother and
1: you're listening from the
2: Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at
1: www.boxterow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row. Real. Relevant. Radio. Here are my Week 7 National Football League Predictions. We already had a game that was played. The Giants and the Eagles got together on Thursday. The Panthers and the Saints. Boy, I thought the Panthers were going to be able to, to, to win on last week, had some momentum, had won three straight games. That got halted on last week. You have the Saints that are coming off a bye week. The game going to be played in New Orleans. As a matter of fact, going to be played in a, in front of about 3,000 or so fans, so it's not going to make that much uh, of a difference other than, obviously, the Panthers are going to have to travel. You have a situation, Christian McCaffrey not quite ready to come back, but again, you know, I look at this Panthers team, I look at the play of uh, Teddy Bridgewater, it's been better. You know, obviously, the last couple of weeks, maybe not so much, especially to start the game uh, last week. You know, I, 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 I'm going with the Saints here. I'm going with the Saints in this football game, the Saints. It's now. It's sort of like a now or never situation, especially that Tampa Bay has picked up a little bit of momentum, a nice win uh, on uh, on what was it, Monday night um, against, or maybe Sunday night, I think it was uh, against Green Bay. So the, the the Tampa Bay is is rocking and rolling. The Saints got to keep pace. I am going with New Orleans, the Bills, and the Jets. The Jets are an absolute mess right now. Um, Gase, I'm 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 surprised that he is still. I mean, of all the coaches that have been let go, you know, Bill O'Brien, and 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 you look at the the Atlanta situation and so on and so forth. And I'm surprised that Gase is still there in New York. This again, when I look at Sam Darnold and I realize, you know, he didn't play last week. I mean, Flacco is done. Okay, so the Jets get shellacked by Miami who is okay like Miami's playing well like I'm not gonna take anything away from the way that Miami is playing but I mean come on if you're the Jets like you can't lose 24 to nothing to the uh to the Dolphins the Bills have lost back-to-back games you know we looked at Allen and the way he was playing quarterback a guy that you know maybe was was in the running for MVPs taking a maybe I'm not going to say he's taking a step back in terms of what he is but he's had some setbacks the last couple of weeks a division game the jets are terrible the bills are still there I am going with buffalo the browns and the bengals boy I was way wrong on the like I picked the browns to in a mild upset last week in the browns you know, sort of reverted back to their old ways. Okay, uh, this is a battle for Cincinnati, for for excuse me, for Ohio. Uh, the Bengals. You know, when I look at the Bengals, uh, you know, I I look at Joe Burrow and I look at the you know the continued growth. I look at I look at the Bengals and I mean they're you know I mean they're they're not going to win a whole lot of games this year, but I I don't know that this is a winnable game. I mean, it's a winnable game. For the Bengals, but I just think that the the Browns have so much talent, like they're underachieving. A lot of it has to do, I think, with Baker Mayfield. And but I think at the end of the day, for this particular football game, I'm going to go with the Browns. The Cowboys versus the Washington Football Team. I mean, you talk about two bad teams. You look at the game on Thursday night. You talk about another. I mean, you know, another two bad teams with the Giants and the Eagles. The NFC East is an absolute train wreck right now, yet it's open pretty much for the taking for anybody really at this point and more specifically for the Cowboys or the Washington football team, whoever can win the game on Sunday. The game is in Washington. Doesn't really mean a whole lot. Uh, again, other than the Cowboys have to travel to uh, Washington, but you, you take care of those things you know, certainly in advance. I, I look back to the Washington football team last week, and I look at the loss against the Giants. I mean, many opportunities to win that football game. The Giants, I mean, not a very good team. You know, Daniel Jones, like, he, he was okay. Uh, but again, you look at the Washington football team defense on last week. It was a defense that settled down in the second half, and I mean, ultimately, um, you know, almost, you know, almost shut them out. In almost shut the Giants down in the second half. Played a lot better. Got a, you know, got an, an interception there late as the Giants were driving. The Washington football team comes down, scores. I don't understand the two point conversion. Like, if you're Ron Rivera, I mean, you have certain philosophies. I get it, but to me, the game dictates what you do and in that instance to me the Washington football team didn't have doesn't have the personnel or the type of offense to score a two-point conversion especially against a pretty good Giants defense second of all your your defense had played so well going to overtime let your defense put in the work that it's been putting in maybe the offense comes around because they were able to score uh, on that last possession so for 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 him to go for two, I mean, it's different. If you're down 20 points, you come all the way back, you're on the road, go for two. That makes more sense than going for two in the scenario in which the Washington football team went for two. I look at the Cowboys. uh, I thought Andy Dalton, like maybe Andy Dalton will be better. Maybe he's trying to get, you know, used to the offense. Uh, you, You look at players coming out against the coaching staff, at least in reports. It's a mess. It's more of a mess in Dallas than it is even in Washington. You know, especially in this game like that's a pick 'em game. For me, clearly, I think the Cowboys are much more talented, but that talent hasn't translated into wins this year. I'm obviously going to go with the Washington football team, the Packers and the Texans. So the Packers had a bit of a setback. Um I don't think the Packers are playing the opponent, the caliber of the Buccaneers. As a matter of fact, I had picked the Packers to beat the Buccaneers. Obviously, I was wrong there. Uh, the Texans bounce back and then ultimately, you know, lose a game. This is a Texans uh, team that is really struggling uh, right now. And no question about that. I think it's a Packers team that is primed to bounce back. I mean, that's a good Tampa Bay team that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers played. But ultimately, I think the Packers bounce back and the Texans continue to struggle. I've got the Packers in Houston, the Lions and the Falcons. I, I picked the, the Falcons to win last week. I mean, they you know, the Falcons going up against the Minnesota Vikings, the, the, the train wreck that is uh, and continues uh, uh, to be the, the quarterback situation there uh, in Minnesota. Um, listen. You know, I think the Falcons, I mean the Falcons are a good team. Like they were just they were underachieving. You know, Raheem Morris, it's a new voice. Come back. You're able to get Kirk Cousins and uh the Vikings. And I think the Falcons continue on that role. I just don't you know, the Lions are spotty. Um I I I, I just feel like uh the Lions are uh, you know, again, spotty, but not good. I think the Falcons are maybe getting ready to go on a roll. You know, the Falcons didn't run the ball in Todd Gurley particularly well, but uh, in the win against the Vikings. But I think they bounced back in the running game. Again, I think, you know, Matt Ryan has been pretty good this year. I like the Falcons in Atlanta. The Titans and the Steelers. Boy, now you talk about a hard game to pick. Um, You know, I picked against the Steelers. Uh, just because, again, I thought uh, uh, against the Browns last week, because I thought, you know, I think you have to sometimes pick some upsets. I, I thought the Browns were playing well. I was way wrong on that. I mean, the Steelers are playing unbelievably. And, and by the way, they lose Devin Bush, the linebacker we had on the program a couple of weeks ago, to a torn ACL. He's out for the season. I think that makes a little bit of a difference defensively, but not a whole lot. Listen, you look at the Steelers. The Steelers are tremendous. The thing is, can they stop Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry, another two hundred yard performance. This is a big man, 6'2". two. Uh, what is he? Two thirty. I mean, he he's he's running like a scat. You know, he's. I mean, he is so fast and powerful. He's hard to bring down. He is stoppable. Again, Ryan Tannehill is having a really really good season. This game is in Nashville. Um, whew. Wow, I mean, I'm I, you know, I, I don't want to go against the Steelers. I picked against the Steelers last week and lost. I'm I I'm gonna be honest. I think it's you know, this is a pick 'em game, and I think I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna make the same mistake twice in going against the Steelers. I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh over the Titans, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Uh, I tell you what, Kyler Murray was look didn't look you know Monday night. Didn't look great to start things off against the Cowboys and then hit that deep bomb uh, in excess of 80 yards right on the money. And the the route was on from that point with the Cardinals. Kyler Murray's sort of up and down. I mean, he's a guy, you know, a shorter guy. I mean, he's obviously so quick, can do a lot with his legs. You know, I think he's got to get himself uh, acclimated with his receivers. He's got two really good receivers in DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald, one of the the timeless Larry Fitzgerald. I think the Cardinals' defense is underrated, certainly. Uh, But if I look at the Seahawks and I look at the weapons um, that, um, that, that Russell has, that Russell Wilson has, I mean, I look at all of those weapons and then I look you know, defensively in terms of, and, and, and really the Seahawks haven't been great defensively uh, this year. But with that said, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. And I ultimately think that Seattle wins the football game. That is a division game. Broncos are hosting the Chiefs. Um, you know, the, uh, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. I mean, Levy, now you at Le'Veon Bell, to the mix of all the weapons that the Chiefs have. We have seen that the Chiefs uh, aren't invincible. That's the thing about it. You know, I mean, I look at the Broncos like the Broncos aren't bad. Like, they're not bad. But I think the Chiefs are going to win this football game. I'm going to pick the Chiefs in Denver. The Jaguars and the Chargers. The the struggles continue for the Jaguars. Uh, Meanwhile... You know, the Los Angeles Chargers uh, behind the play of Herbert, not looking too bad. uh, As a matter of fact, Um, I just think the Chargers are struggling uh, so much. And, you know, I I like the fact that Herbert has a guy like a Keenan to throw the football to. I like the Chargers in that football game. The 49ers and the Patriots, boy, Cam Newton struggled and, and the Patriots struggled mightily last week against the Broncos. It's a good win for the Broncos on last week. Meanwhile, you have the 49ers that look like maybe the 49ers are coming back, maybe turning that corner. I don't, I'm not going to say turning the corner, but they bounced back from a loss a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I, 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 I think Bill Belichick is one of the best in terms of making adjustments, um, but I just don't think it's going to happen this time around for the Patriots. I have the 49ers winning that game. The Buccaneers and the Raiders. Tampa Bay looks very, very good. The Raiders aren't bad. Derek Carr, uh, you know, starting, you know, sort of like not bad, right? Uh, the game is going to be in Las Vegas, but I like the Buccaneers. Tom Brady and company is getting it done. And by the way, we're not talking enough about Todd Bowles and what that defense is doing in Tampa Bay. And that's the Monday, or that's the Sunday night game. Then Monday night, the Bears. Going to be at the Rams. I tell you what, the Bears aren't bad. The Bears are pretty good. You know, Nick Foles is playing well. The Rams are up and down. Like, I don't know what to expect from the Rams uh, from week to week. So, in this game, uh, I am going to go with the Bears. Your thoughts on Twitter and Facebook. More of the program on the other side. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina, served in Total Wine all over North Carolina, Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia, Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carboro, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House.
0: It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. So getting back
1: to talking some Miak basketball and football here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And as a matter of fact, before we do that, because there was a Zoom or a virtual media day that took place on Thursday, and I'm going to give you some of the predicted order of finish. And also, obviously, the talk, a lot of the talk, especially on the men's side, was dominated by McCure maker in his signing at Howard. And I'll talk a little bit about that, but again, much like I said with respect and you'll see, and I'll read the, because it's going by division this time opposed to the whole conference. Just like I said uh, about Jackson state and crowning Jackson state, the champion, because Deion Sanders is the coach same way There's not as much talk on the Howard side. I mean, in, 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 Kenneth Blakeney, the head coach, emphasize, I couldn't overemphasize the fact that remember, this is a Howard men's basketball program that won four games last year, just four games last year. But they got some pieces. I mean, the the bison has some pieces. There's no question about that. But I mean, you gotta contend with North Carolina Central, the three time defending MIAC tournament champions. You gotta contend with an AT who was on the rise. You gotta contend with a Florida AM who's up and coming. So you know, there's, I, you know, listen, the signing of Maker definitely elevates the conference. I don't think there's any question about that now. Uh, and, and one of the things that uh, Lavelle Moten said, the head coach at North Carolina Central, made a good point. He said that we're not, we've had some three star guys, some four star guys, but they have come to us more so than those teams or those programs or at least his program going to recruit some of those uh, bigger guys, which is great because that's one of the things I've always said. And when Maker first signed, my thing was, are we, I, I knew some of the coaches were, and I, and I would hope that all of them are, but are our coaches rec- already recruiting these guys? Are you, are, are you of the mindset, well, I'm probably not going to get them anyway, so why waste my time? But I mean, I got a good sense that a lot of the coaches, as I thought anyway, were already recruiting some of those players. So, um, listen, the SWAC again released its schedule a 17 game, 17 game SWAC schedule. So, 17 conference games going to be played by each school. And it's going to begin, things are going to get kicked off on Saturday. January the second, Saturday, January the second is when conference play for the SWAC begins. Now, a lot of the a lot of the schools, at least of, as of right now, still sort of finalizing schedules. Uh, I know a couple of the schools on the MEAC call talked about having one or two more games that they're trying to lock down in terms of having that schedule. I, you know, Murray Garvin was sort of talking about his non-conference schedule. He's got a tough South Carolina State got a tough non-conference schedule of course uh division one basketball begins on november the 25th so i know a lot of the teams are going to be in action including the SWAC. and uh again it's good to see i mean we we we, you know we we talked about it a little bit uh on on last week uh, with uh as a matter of fact on our uh, we we had a chance i had a chance actually to catch up with mo williams the head men's basketball coach at Alabama State, they're going to kick things off against Wake Forest. So it's still, it's great to see that the schools are still going to get those money games. I think it's ultra, ultra important that the schools uh, are able to get those money games. Uh, But again, the SWAC also releasing its schedule, kicking things off, uh, on November or excuse me on January the 2nd with MEAC or uh, with SWAC play SWAC play begins on January the 2nd so let's take a look at the predicted order of finish for the MIAC in the Northern Division Norfolk State has been picked to finish first in the North and as a matter of fact received 16 of 22 so the 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 miac head coaches and the sports information directors vote on the predicted order of finish Norfolk state received 16 of 22 first place votes followed by morgan state at number 2 who received two first place votes and by the way I know we're talking about howard and the talk is howard and McCure maker and all of that don't sleep on morgan state this year kevin brought us doing a phenomenal jobs had that you know had he was a top assistant at Maryland, right, Uh, Big Ten basketball, before he took the position at Morgan State. Is an HBCU guy through and through. So let's let's not sleep on the Bears this year. Followed by Howard at number three. Howard received three first-place votes. And, you know, again, Blakeney tried to temper expectations by saying, listen, we're flattered, we're surprised a little bit, you know, maybe not. I mean, he's saying that. But, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's inevitable, especially that Maker hasn't played it. And, and as as Blakeney put it, has not played a college basketball game. Yet, he was a first-team preseason All-MEAC selection. So, Coach Blakeney trying to temper expectations at Hampton. But I think he's going to build a good – uh, excuse me, at Howard. Excuse me, at Howard. I think he's going to build a good program there, the Bison – Pick to finish number three, followed by Coppin State, one first-place vote at number four, Delaware State, and number five and Maryland Eastern Shore bringing up the rear. You know, I had a chance to, to, to see Maryland Eastern Shore. Matter of fact, I had a chance to see most of the teams. I had a chance to see North. I didn't see Morgan. The only team in the MEAC, two teams I didn't see in the MEAC last year uh, were Morgan State and Coppin. So all of the other teams play. Uh, Delaware State didn't see Delaware State either. Um, I don't think I did, but Maryland Eastern shore don't sleep on the Hawks. Then in the Southern division, North Carolina central picked to finish first received 11 of 22 first place votes followed by North Carolina. A and T picked to finish second who received nine of the 22 first place votes. So that was pretty, I mean, that's pretty close. And you're talking about the difference between the two teams of one point. Just a one-point difference. Um, you know, I I am telling you, that game last year, <laughs> that game last year between AT and North Carolina Central in Durham to end the season for what amounted to the Miac uh, regular season championship was one for the ages. Absolutely one for the ages. What a what a what a game. And uh again, Central Central. Winning the, the Miac regular season because of that victory and A and and of course his pick to finish first this year, followed by A&T at number two. Florida AM. I, I like Florida AM. Listen, watch out for the Rattlers this year. Like the Rattlers as a sneaky team. We'll talk about, you know, you're gonna talk about Central as the three-time. Tournament champs. You're going to talk about A&T as a program on the rise. You're going to talk about a Norfolk State, a consistent program. Uh, you know, Morgan State on the rise. Obviously, you're going to talk about Howard because of McCure Maker. Don't sleep on Florida AM pick to finish third in the Southern Division, followed by Bethune Cookman at number four in South Carolina State. Uh, and by the way, Florida AM received one first place vote. South Carolina State also receiving a first place vote picked to finish at number five. So it should be pretty interesting. Like I said, a lot of the talk uh, was with respect to McCure Maker. A couple of guys I want you to watch out for, for Delaware State. Watch out for a young man by the name of Zach Kent. He's a transfer from Tennessee. Um, 6'10 guy. Uh, He's got some athleticism. Uh, Can handle the basketball a little bit. Uh, Watch out for him. Played a little bit. Uh, at Tennessee, but watch out for that name for the Hornets uh, this year. Uh, 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 Coach Blakeney for Howard said that Maker's going to play all over the floor. He'll handle the ball a lot. Howard's going to play positionless basketball. You're seeing a lot of that, and Howard is going to be in that mix this year, and they've got some players to watch out. They're still trying to finalize a couple of guys to make sure that they're ready to rock and roll. But the Bison, the Bison is going to be good, but I'm not ready to crown them the champions for this year. Like I said, Kevin brought and Morgan state's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, this is a, uh Broadus is a disciple of John Thompson also. So let's not forget that. As a matter of fact, he was asked a question about John Thompson. Uh, didn't want to elaborate a whole lot other than to say, quote, I just miss him. And, um, you know, watch out for Sharom um, Wright and Nassim Khalid for Morgan State. Both of those guys, D1 transfers, they're going to make an immediate impact on the program. You know, so, I mean, listen, you, you, you know, you're, you're you're talking about, I think, there's going to be some good basketball. This year going to be played in the MIAC. Cameron Langley, phenomenal player. Point guard for North Carolina, Ant, has been picked to be the Miak preseason player of the year. And by the way, North Carolina Central going to definitely miss Jabril, Jabril Blunt, who had a phenomenal season. But I think, you know, I think I think the Eagles are going to be fine, and they are generally each and every year. So this promises to be an exciting year for Miak basketball. Things kick off uh, on. The uh, on November the 25th non-conference play. We're going to talk more about the SWAC. The SWAC has its media day on next week, and next week I'll talk in depth about SWAC basketball. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Remember, the virtual HBCU virtual tailgate series resumes this Saturday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'm going to have a chance to sit down with Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M. Uh, during that, during one of the segments, 11 to 1 on the fa- athletic Facebook pages of FAMU, a t Howard, Southern, as well as Alabama State, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time on those Facebook live pages. And always remember to support those that support you from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications.